0: And welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show dedicated to workplace and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne, and we're broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. My name's Elena McMaster. Stick with us for this special Disability Day edition of Stick Together. This week on Stick Together, we catch up with Martin Stewart, President of the Blind Workers' Union of Victoria, to check in on the vision-impaired workers sacked by Vision Australia from their warehouse last year. We find out about the impact of that decision on those workers and on the union and discuss what workplace justice looks like for workers in disability enterprises. That's coming up later on in the show. First up, though, we're going to hear from Kirsty Wilson from the Australian Employees with Disability Legal Service, about the discriminatory use of wage assessment tools to determine how much beneath the award wage some people with disabilities will be paid. In 2011, Kirsty Wilson helped instigate the federal court challenge to one wage assessment tool called the Business Services Wage Assessment Tool or BSWAT on behalf of two workers with disabilities. The federal court found that those two workers had been discriminated against by the use of that tool to determine their wages and we hear from Kirsty about the aftermath of that decision soon. To start with, I asked Kirsty to explain these wage assessment tools for us.
1: All right, in the uh, ADEs, which are Australian Disability Enterprises, they employ people who have disabilities, so it's it's considered a supportive employment. But so because they don't pay full award wages. They, they are able to assess the wages using a tool which is in the award. And there's up to 30 tools that can be used. The issue that we have with, uh, well, the majority of the tools is that they have competencies in them. And they're not competencies that when, you, when you're doing a job, usually you take into account how competent the person is at the job. You know, if you know doing my work, if I'm not competent, then I'll end up getting the sack, as most of us would. In this situation, the competencies refers to elements that are outside of the actual job they're doing. So, the tool that, in particular, that is being discussed is um, is the VSWAT, which is the Business Services Wage Assessment Tool, and that was con- consisted of two elements. One was productivity, or so half was productivity. The other half was competency, and a competency section is what the High Court has confirmed to the the uh, majority decision of the Federal Court of Appeal to say that, that that element of the tool is discriminatory. So it unlawfully discriminates against people with or employees with intellectual disabilities working in these ADEs. The competency element was, was a series of questions effectively that ha, had little relevance to the job that these workers were doing. So for example, what meetings does your boss go to? How many of us would know what meetings our boss goes to? And if you got one out, if you got an answer wrong, you got zero for that competency and then they'd move on to the next one and if you got another one wrong, you'd get zero. So what was happening is that the Many of these workers were getting zero for the competency element. So, for example, say they were assessed as being 50% productive, but then they got zero for the competency, they would divide the it in two and end up with 25% of the wage. So, if it was $10 an hour, for example, instead of getting $5 an hour at 50%, being you know that being the productivity, they would end up with $2.50 an hour. Mm. And some of them are on, you know, wages as low as thirty-three cents an hour. Yeah. Obviously, you're not going to get very far with
0: on thirty-three cents an hour. So, Kirsty, I want to talk to you a little bit um, in a second, just about uh, the, you know, this in terms of pay justice, just in the broader sense of um, paying people based on perceived productivity or competency, say, rather than the time that they actually spend working. But before we get to that. Can you, can you explain how something like the what comes about? What's the idea behind it? Um, and and how do we end up with a wage assessment tool um, for people with disabilities that can, and allows some employers to pay people as little as 33 cents an hour?
1: Well, because the workers are not 100% productive, so they need support. The support in the ADEs is provided by funding that the federal government gives these ADEs to operate and but there was concern about you know, how do we pay the, the wages of these workers when, you know, you've got a contract for example, a cleaning contract and you have to, you know, put in a, a bid for the contract or, and you have to you know, calculate how many hours it's going to take to do the job so if you've got a person who is going to be 100% 100% productive you would be able to calculate that they would get you know a certain amount It would take them say 10 hours to do this particular job charging out at $40 an hour for example you know with overhead and therefore and how many people would be needed it's a, it's the same idea is that they've got you know they've put in their tenders for the contracts and if they They have to calculate how many workers. Now, these workers are not 100% productive. Some of them are, you know, perhaps 25% productive, 30 you know, 50% productive. So they still have to calculate it. But if they paid full award wages, they wouldn't obviously be able to continue running the business because it's not so much as making the money. They have to make enough money to cover their costs and pay the wages of, of the supported employees. The supervisors are paid out of the funding that's um, given by the by the government to, to provide the support
0: mm. so there's been a, a lot of criticism which I, you know i 'm sure um, you're across much more than me um, from various disability organizations about the justice of using wage assessment tools in this way um, and some other options have been suggested such as. Uh, Corporatizing various disability enterprises. What, what's this? What's your ideas around a solution to this? Um, there must have been some ideas you had when you brought the when you instigated that challenge to the the federal court.
1: Well, what we saw was that in open employment, so if they worked for Coles, Meyer, for the you know the gardener, local gardener. They would be paid if they were not 100% productive. They would be assessed under the supported wage system, which is a straight productivity tool. What we would be saying, well, what we are saying, um, is that they should be using the supported wage system. The supported wage system has gone through the full bench of the Australian Industrial Relations Commission. That's out, you know in the 90s when it was first designed. It's it's um, it's a valid tool. It's it's gone through all the challenges and it's been reviewed, and it also has. There, there have been, you know, review in regards to using it in in these ADEs, and some ADEs use it, and they are, you know, operating very well. The the workers are being they're assessed, and they are paid on their productivity. So that's what we would say that should be used. There's also talk of of social enterprises, which are basically instead of having the a D E or the old term for it is sheltered workshop where it is effectively it's only employees with disabilities who are working in them apart from the supervisors and management. What happens in social enterprises is that they work side by side. So you've got people with disabilities working with next to people without disabilities and, and you know, there's mentors, there's there there's a there's one down in in Frankston called the Madcap Cafe, which is is an excellent example of of a social enterprise where people with disabilities are working with people, you know, with other other employees. And it's you know, if you ever get a chance to go down there, it is it's really interesting, but it it works well. And there are so many examples around Australia of these social enterprises that that do work well.
0: Mm. Um. Kirsty, can you tell us a bit about what's happened since the uh, Federal Court um, found that B-SWAT was being used uh, discriminatively in the case of two employees? Um, so what the Federal Government then did uh, and, and what you're all doing in order to try and respond to that? All right,
1: well, their initial reaction was when the Federal Court of Appeal found you know, by majority that it was discriminatory, the Federal government had then attempted to appeal, you know, sought um, special leave to appeal, which wasn't granted. So the, it was unanimous at the High Court where they confirmed the, the majority's decision. After that, that was in, on May 10, 2013. During the caretaker mo- um, period last year, you know, when was the um, election, the federal election, the department or the the government or caretaker government, with however the way you look at it, put in an application for a special <coughs> exemption at the Australian Human Rights Commission, and they there were obviously a lot of submissions going in, and um, a lot you know who didn't obviously didn't agree with this uh, exemption application. And what they wanted to do effectively was to continue using the the tool for a, another three years. And while they worked out what they were going to do, and in the meantime, mind you, that you know nothing had happened since the decision of the federal court of appeal so it's a, it's a you know it's a long um, period that nothing really effectively has been done. they've only got five months to go before they have to they actually have to get rid of um, B-SWAT completely
0: umkirsty. I'll, we'll have to leave it there because we've gone a bit over time. But was there anything that you that you hadn't said yet that you wanted to mention?
1: Just that, you know how much I admire the the workers for standing up for their for their rights and for those who who are you know, the senators who you know recognise that that this was wrong and that they that they could put a stop to taking further advantage. You know, already these workers remain. So underpaid, and to to turn around and insult them by saying, you know, we'll just give you half of what you're owed, and we're going to take away your right of choice. You know, it, it wouldn't, we wouldn't accept it. So why should we accept it on behalf of people who are so
0: vulnerable?
1: It's it's really wrong.
0: That was Kirsty Wilson from the Australian Employees with Disability Legal Service. You're listening to Stick Together, all about workers' rights
2: and social justice.
0: Every week on the Community Radio Network. And you're listening to a special Disability Day edition of Stick Together this week, marking Disability Day on the 3rd of December. Now to Martin Stewart, President of the Blind Workers Union of Victoria, to talk about workplace justice for workers with disability and the impacts one year on from the mass sacking of their vision-impaired warehouse workforce by Vision Australia.
2: Vision Australia in approximately September 2013 announced a decision that had in fact been made during the May-June period of that year, but they announced it as if it was some consultation process which never eventuated, that they would no longer be involved with the provision of manual labour opportunities or, in fact, the... And, in fact, I should say, the factory itself, which was providing such opportunities for 73 workers, was to close in Melbourne and Brisbane in particular with three other opportunities to be removed from workers in Sydney as well. And basically, we were completely decimated. The workforce lost its entire workplace and employment. They were completely and absolutely gutted What can I say? Mm. That The whole place is now no longer. The union itself is in the process of dissolving because its core membership came from this sector as it certainly needed union support, the support which we gave for over 60 years. Mm. The organisation that is supposed to have helped, assisted and provided and given charity to do so, turned its back and on its responsibility. It was disgraceful. And I still now, nine months on, I'm still extremely very angry over it. It it was a massive, massive injustice. And I'd have to say the community disappointed me in a sense because it did receive media attention and i believe the community did not participate in in the protection of of these jobs by rearing up in full unison and support with us if our most defenseless and disadvantaged can't receive attention and deserve support from, from the general community, uh, who can? I absolutely take my hat off to the union movement, to, in particular, the Australian Workers' Union, for their support, but I'd have to say we were left pretty well isolated after that by the rest of the community. The blind community were very responsive and supportive as well. I was very, very shocked and surprised with the lack of you know, overall support we received.
0: Mm. Martin, um, can you... Uh, are you able to tell us a bit about um, what the situation is for some of those workers now? I assume, I mean, at the time, uh, it was quite clear that people would struggle um, and to find any work after that. Has, has anyone been able to find any comparable work? Or... Really,
2: three categories eventuated. There was the people who simply gave up and... Retired, Vision Australia's publicity says happily retired, (laughs) really, happily retired when they were actually happily at work, Uh, they actually were completely and absolutely taken over by grief with the loss of their workplace and the significant disadvantage they would face in obtaining more employment, that's why they so-called happily retired. Uh, on, may I say, no more, On based on meagre wages, a standard redundancy package, as if it should have been standard. And we fought to try and get the redundancy at least trebled, and they rejected that. So they even rejected the fact that it had a more injurious impact on these workers than it would in a general community because of the existing... Disadvantage, and the fact that very, very many of them didn't even have superannuation to support them because of those low wages. Mm. But no, that was ignored, ignored by a charity who this year, may I say, recorded an operating surp- surplus of three million nine hundred and fifty-seven thousand dollars. So there's your operating sur- surplus on the backs of of people who uh, earn, you know, ten dollars or less an hour in wage, and they couldn't even hold on to them. The second group did obtain some employment, and Vision Australia once again publicises it as full employment. Well, in fact, instead of having five days a week, they only had two days a week to three days, if they're very, very lucky. Um, And instead of about 10 to 14, if they were lucky in the higher group set, of employees, um, they an hour. They only now receive 2 to $3 an hour. So you've got two days a week to three days a week if you're lucky, compared to five on about six times less wage, and that's supposed to be happily fully employed. There was another group who Vision Australia very kindly decided to offer traineeships to. Those traineeships run out June 2015, Uh, They are in the business of packing and distributing CDs for their library and they have just announced recently that they're getting out of that area in favour of audio distribution of library books. So we all know that that was timed absolutely to be at the end of these 18-month traineeships. So those people will also be out looking for something far worse than they currently have or ever had. So all up, it was a total decimation of a once very happy workforce and total decimation of a much-needed manual labour workplace for blind and vision-impaired people.
0: Mm, So... um martin I, I was I wanted to ask you about uh to talk a little about um what was being proposed at the time, which was rejected as we know by vision australia and and how you think that might be applied because uh, you know clearly this battle's been lost, vision Australia wasn't willing to uh, negotiate any of the solutions that the unions were suggesting to them um but how that might be applied in the future to how a disability enterprise could be run in a way that um, doesn't lead to staff being exploited and treated badly
2: yes we We had several proposals, but one of them was to set it up in such a way where it could be regarded as a mainstream workplace, which would involve uh, several categories of disadvantaged workers, and also include those who would not normally be be regarded as disadvantaged, working together, uh, building services and providing goods through the airport distributions with the, with the way that parcels are being sent to and from, the, an actual storage facility as well as distribution centre for the products that are frequently coming in and going out through web purchases and so forth. We, had, we feel there was no reason why they couldn't seriously sit down with us and talk constructively about such a proposal and even if it took five years or so to construct while that was happening, uh, we could manage the facility as it was. They do receive charity dollars to do just that, I say, and the area that, that they were employed in is a significantly disadvantaged area because people... Who are blind and vision impaired? Although we are good with our hands, no one really believes that. So the employment opportunities are virtually zero. But vision, the Vision Australia facility provided that work, and now they
0: don't. Do you think it's just that um, that people are paid according to you know what's called their productive capacity rather than the time that they spend uh, working?
2: Okay, I'll an example to you, which in my view demonstrates how unjust it is. Well, imagine a very enthusiastic woman wanted to be a bricklayer. And I'm sure there are many women who are performing these types of duties extremely effectively and efficiently. But imagine a workplace said well, you you aren't strong enough to lift as many bricks in one hour as what a man can. So you can work with us, but we will, because of your loss of productivity, only pay you a percentage wage compared to our average man who's employed here who we believe will lift more bricks than you can. Not taking into account, one, that you may be able to lift as many for a start, to her efficiency her quality of output and therefore not needing to uh, let's say fix the work fix the product that she is creating imagine that and that's exactly what happens with people with disabilities people with disabilities are quite frankly the most without any shadow of a doubt discriminated against members of this community in the Australian population without one doubt we can put all the categories of disadvantage together and people with disabilities are exploited and discriminated more than any of them and i'm very much in favor of addressing all discrimination but why are we not including the very bottom first why why is it just all too hard for everybody including including sad to say the union movement which i belong to that continues to neglect and deny. The workforce rates amongst the general population with people with disabilities is declining year by year. It's getting less and less. There are inaccessibility issues with technology that shuts people out, as well as attitudes that shuts people out. So on and on, it gets worse and worse. And in fact, when the unemployment rate, if it goes up amongst the general community, that gives the community even more of an excuse to ignore those who are even more disadvantaged so it's a sad and sorry state when it comes to people with disabilities currently i have to say which is really really disappointing and a lot of people think that this area is improving 2014 it must be well it's actually getting worse
0: um martin was there anything you wanted to add I, I,
2: i send a call out to all those with a conscience and social awareness and I believe that there are many of your listeners that will have that, to attach yourselves to this cause, which is slipping away from us. We have uh, amazing talent and abilities out there which are not being sourced, not being connected with. As a matter of fact, they're being denied and betrayed. So, you know, let's get with it, Australia, and provide opportunities for people who will not let you down, will not let the community down and want to contribute, want to be part of this country and its development and creation. And, you know, we offer so much, but we're being ignored so much.
0: That was Martin Stewart, President of the Blind Workers Union of Victoria. We sought an interview with the Australian Council of Trade Unions for this program. The ACTU was very involved in setting up the Supported Wage Scheme in the 90s and advocating for its inclusion in many awards. Unfortunately, however, they were unable to provide anyone to talk about pay justice issues for workers with disabilities at this time. We'll be following up with them. And that's Stick Together for this week. Thanks for listening in to our special Disability Day broadcast and thank you to our guests Kirsty Wilson and Martin Stewart. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne on Wurundjeri land and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network to land stolen from Aboriginal people all over the country. We are grateful for financial support received from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. If you missed the broadcast, you can listen to our streaming online or download the podcast at 3cr.org.au. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by giving us a call on 03 9419 8377. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. My name's Elena McMaster. I'll catch you next time.